guys, Ira Coleman here, the founder of Fluent Hustle. We are a community that believes in empowering, promoting, and inspiring entrepreneurs through the stories of other entrepreneurs like my man Reed Silverman, the owner of Ink Monster. We are live on set here in his warehouse. Super excited to listen to this gentleman's journey, his story, um, how he got into business. Um, he took a one, one-way ticket flight from, yes, New, from New York. Yeah, I'm from New York originally. Yeah, from New York to Colorado to follow his passion in snowboarding, and then eventually took on an opportunity to start a business as a sticker uh, maker um, that, that, that pay for the lifestyle, you know, his, his everyday expenses, and then flourished into an amazing business that he has going on right now, which we're gonna learn a lot about. Um, let's talk about like who you are, where you're from. I mean, obviously your passion is snowboarding and, and, and fashion and style, and you know, just you know, just rocking the swag overall. Um, but like, wh where did you get to that point where you're in New York and you're like, I want to go out to Colorado? Obviously, it's a snowboard, but what, what yeah. was that? What was that changing factor of, of your lifestyle change? Well, it was something. By the way, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Um, but hey, this, this is uh, Reed's first time doing a <laughs> Facebook first time Live. Ever. Doing a first I'm an old fart. Uh, <laughs> you know. uh, anyway, um, you know, I'm, I'm a typical New Yorker. You know, I love that I'm on this show right now because hustle was the name of the game for me. Um, growing up in an underprivileged family, we didn't have a lot growing up, so I had to make my own way. I was the youngest of three, and um, you know, you know, I had my first job at 11 years old. Been working hard ever since. Had to had to pay for everything that I wanted as a kid, right? And and that really uh, gave me the drive and motivation and hustle and entrepreneurial spirit that I have today. And you know, looking back, you know, being resentful. For growing up that way was one thing, but now looking back, I'm like, there's no other way to have it. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Like that made me who I am. I'm definitely a product of my environment. So, right. you know, fast forward, uh, I was a Wall Street broker for four and a half years. Wow. Uh, I was a snowboarder since I was 15, a skier since I was 12. You know, New York, Vermont, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, all those places, yeah. and. Um, you know, I just had a passion for, for outdoor recreation, sports, I was very athletic, but, so I got, you know, but my main focus in life was money. Like, that's all I really cared about. How do I make money? Right. It doesn't matter what I have to do. And, uh, and was that because your back was against the wall when you were younger always, and you were just trying to make back, that change? Yeah, always back against the wall. I feel like my whole life has been back against the wall yeah. decisions. But, um... So got into the brokerage game, did very well doing that. I, you know, I got into that when I was 19. Uh, left, you know, I, I, that, that, you know, everything that made me really good as a stockbroker made me, you know, all my personality flaws made me a really good stockbroker. Or what some people would consider personality flaws, you know, like just being money hungry, unethical, this, that, just it was a very backstabby, dirty business. And, you know, one day I'm looking in a sea, you know, a boardroom of a sea of brokers. Uh, there's about a hundred of us in the room, and uh, I'm just looking at guys, you know, doing it 10, 15 years longer than me, and and uh, I saw who I was going to be. Oh, wow. If I would have stayed doing it, kept doing it, yeah, I was good at it, but I was I was. You're like, this I is that my future. Yeah. I mean, I was, had insomnia, I had no friends, my family hated me, I was an arrogant prick, mm -hmm. you know, like I was just like the epitome of what you think that guy would be. Sure. And I'm just like, man, is this what my life is gonna look like? And you know, I'm, I'm 
you know, going to turn 24 years old, because I got in the game early. Yeah. I'm like, man, I don't want to be that guy. Right. You know, I, I, I want something different for my life. So, and I had a passion for snowboarding. And, um, you know, basically, I, I, I quit my job. I bought a one-way ticket to Colorado. Never been here before. I heard... That you know, it was oh, you the came best. out here blind. I came out here blind. No wow. friends, no family, no job, no place to live. Yeah. You know, I gave away most of my stuff. I had a a, a checked bag, and uh, you know, a job interview set up to to work as a ski instructor, snowboard instructor at Vail Resorts. That was it. Wow. I just heard that if you're going to do this. You want to go out west. Yeah. You want to go to Colorado. Because I was going to pick Vermont because it's close to home. <laughs> and thank good. I mean, everything happens for a reason. I'm right. a firm believer in that. But, you know, that's that's how I ended up here. Man, that's... Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you realize when you're young that, you know, you're, you're in a career that wasn't suited for you in the long run. And, and you followed your passion. You're like, you know what? You know, if there's one time to change it, that was the time to change it. 24, yeah. 25 years yeah, old. Yeah. Well, I got no family. Mm-hmm. You know, no wife. I yeah. mean, you know, no kids. Uh, I didn't have debt. I didn't have certain, you Nothing know. Hold you down. And, and this is one of the things I tell kids. You know, I talk to elementary schools, uh, high school kids, college kids. They do tours around Ink Monster. I go to their auditorium to do to do talks, and I'm like, you know, follow your dream, follow your passion. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do this because you're from here. You don't have these resources. Um, you know, do it while you're young. Yeah. Don't get stuck in that. You know, that society says you have to go through the timeline of life. You have to go through the motions of life. Um, Make mistakes when you're young. Go travel the world. Go get 20 internships. Go get a job doing 20 things that you don't even know if you like it. And fail at it. And fail. And and that's the biggest thing that I talk to these kids about is, you know, you have to know what you don't want to do to narrow down what you do want to do. And so when people are like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, how do you know? Give it a try. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like my sixth career, you know, and and I, how I knew and how I was so confident that this is what I wanted to do is because I tried so many other things. And realized what you didn't want to do. And realized what I didn't want to do. Right. Right. And I think people kind of forget that step. So how long were you out in Vail and, and, and being a snowboard instructor and, yeah. what, and what what did that lifestyle like that was teach awesome. you? <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> uh, again, it, it I had a goal when I moved here and that goal was not to take a job solely based on how much money I was going to make. Yeah. So when I became a snowboard instructor, it was great. Uh, I had so much fun. I allowed myself to just be free, you know, reset, recharge, try different things, meet new people. Uh, And what that did was it just, it bought me time because I didn't know how long it was going to take for me to feel so much more, to feel passionate about something that I would give my 200% to dive into, you know, make that commitment. And, you know, we can talk about what it takes to be a small business owner. Yeah, we'll get that And, in a and bit, we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. But, you know, it it took me to just let go of what the outcome was going to be. You know, everyone's so worried. How am I going to make money? Where am I going to live? How am I going to take care of this? You kept on chasing all of and that. And I was chasing things. Instead of chasing everything, I just let life be. Yeah. You know, and I stopped worrying about the outcome, and all these doors started opening because of just, it allowed me to be me, and just be happy. 
and, and that was it. And that's most important. I mean, the fact that you could be yourself, be authentic, find that happiness that you know you were missing out on, um, and then it seemed like you, you were able to then like your bucket of fulfillment increased significantly. Yeah, you know, waking up and you know getting out there and just hitting the slopes whenever you wanted to, and, and every day was a good day, no matter how bad of a day it was. I'm just like. I'm getting paid to snowboard. Yeah. <laughs> How bad could that be? And I, I can know? tell you, there's a lot of people here in Colorado that would love to have that opportunity. You know, I had my so. sponsors. Uh, Were you competitive? I, did, I, I wasn't competing. We did. I did some video production stuff with okay. a, a crew out of Breckenridge. Okay. Um, I was a coach at Mount Hood for 10 summers, so I was here in the winter, Oregon in the summer, uh, working on Mount Hood. Um, and that's a good segue into how I got into the business because that's how I got into the business. Was that in Mount uh, Hood? Mount Hood. I was I was head coach at Wendell's for three years. So uh, and then I was the high school team coach for the Aspen snowboard team. Then I went on to coach the CU snowboard team. We won two national champs. Wow. And, um, that's it. You know, just uh, snowboarding. You know, following my passion and my dream of snowboarding. Open doors to, to business. Are you still out there snowboarding today? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I still get out there. Good. I still get out there. I mean, not really that much this season. <laughs> we don't know how good this season was, right? Yeah, it, was, but, uh, it was a little dry up there. A little so. dry. I didn't go once. Not, not one time I make yeah. it out to go out to, to snowboarding. Yeah, I've actually yeah. been surfing a lot more. Have you? <laughs> well, that's even more fun. You get a chance to get yeah. out of Colorado, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's not many oceans or lakes around yeah. here to do that. So. No, I get to travel. <laughs> so, um... I you know this research on you and the community loves you, Reed. I mean, people love who you are. I love you, this community. And, 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 and what thank you, you guys for supporting us all these years. <laughs> and what and what you you know become. Uh, and I, I remember when I moved uh, from Chicago to Denver about a year and a half ago. And I and I yeah, thank you. And I saw your work all over Denver. And I was like, who the heck are these guys? Um, and you know, and just you know, just being observant. And then you know, recently. Uh, you know, being at the Comizan Champa um, when they had the outdoor um, convention. Oh, wow. uh, outdoor retailer uh, SIA snow show. Yeah. yeah, so so that was at the convention. You guys had a had a setup over the Comizan Champa, mm -hmm. and I was just like, wow, like they're just more than just a graphic design and print shop. Like you, you guys are a full on brand to help other brands out, and and I really picked up on that. And you know, some of the major clients that that you gained. Uh, throughout the years and the cool stuff that you're doing and what you have going on, but it all started from stickers. It sure did. <laughs> it sure did. I mean, you, you, that's that's as as basic as you can get, right? But I'm, and I'm glad you brought up the brand part because uh, you know it, my my industry is so traditional and so old school, and what shops like mine traditionally do is help other people build brands. But they never really utilize the tools, resources, our design team, all the machines we have, the materials to to build their own brand identity. Yes, yes. And that's something that I really, that was my goal, to set out to build my own artistic lifestyle brand and to make what we do sexy. No one has ever made this industry sexy before right. and hot and cool and artistic and creative. And, uh, you know, I am the self proclaimed pioneer of making the print and you know uh, printing industry you know rap industry sexy yeah right but yes it all started I mean even your stickers I mean, even your van I mean like you see that black van you know around town when you guys are you know working on your projects and stuff like that I mean it just it, it, it screams badass thank you <laughs> but you know, through snowboarding so I'm working at Wendell's uh, 
you know, as, as much as we made money as snowboarders, uh, it wasn't nearly enough. I had to find a supplemental income. I'm a business guy uh, who happens to like to be super creative, has a tendency to, you know, just want to explore my creative juices. So um, I'm, at, I'm working at camp. And that's where I learned how to use vinyl plotters and rip software and, you know, work with materials and wrap bands. You know, we have all these camp sponsors and, you know, the action sports industry is is very brand identity heavy. 100%. Um, so, you know, all the vans were branded, all the cabins were branded. Everywhere there's, there's always things to make. So um, I just volunteered to, to help make all this stuff and started... Wrapping vans and, and cabin walls. And, and what was the reason that you decided to volunteer to do this? What, what, what was it all? Well, it was just of? really interesting to yeah. me. Like it was creative. It was fun. I like working with my hands. I like making things. Yeah. I just like making things. Right. Is 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 I guess as plainly as I can put it. <laughs> and uh, it was just fun. And that goes back to why I left New York. Only do things because it makes you happy and it's fun and you enjoy it. You have a passion for it. And if you Use that formula, America, you will be successful no matter what. Just do what you love and the money will come. Yes. Follow that formula and and this is where it got me. And it feels like you're never working a day in your life. I, mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you got to work, you I mean, might as well do something that you love. 100%, right? man. I, uh, I, I can definitely appreciate that. And you know, recently, you know, I, with the career train, change and transition, you know, right now what I'm doing is what I love the most is like meeting with people like you and, and allowing you to inspire the entrepreneurial community so that way they can step up and get out of their comfort zone or if they're fighting through that complacency is, is shift things up a little bit and then if, if they love what they're doing but they're not having fun like find a way to make that more fun and, and, and that just makes you wake up ready to go to take on the challenges you have you know mm -hmm. coming ahead because it's never easy running a business and we're going to talk about that um, and trials and tribulations. It only gets harder. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought, like as the years went on, as the business got bigger, you know, more employees, more gross revenue, like all these great things, bigger reputation. I thought it would get easier. Like, oh, it's going to get bigger. It's going to get easier. It, it doesn't. It doesn't get easier. Just got more fires to put out. He's <laughs> got more fires to put out. More challenges. More risk. Uh, more at stake because now you've built something and you have more to lose. Mm -hmm. So. You know, again, it goes back to my point. That's why you guys really have to love what you do. Because if you don't have, like, this fire, this passion, this love, you won't be able to withstand the storm. Right. You, you won't do whatever it takes and go through the trials and tribulations. Like, it is going to become just a daunting task instead of, you know, waking up every day being like, all right, these are our challenges. How am I going to face them with a positive attitude, yes. you know? Yes, PMA. Positive, Positive mental attitude. That's right. PMA all day. It's crucial. PMA is the ABC, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always be closing. <laughs> um, do you still have your your uh, your first sticker machine? I do. I do. I mean, it's not functioning, but it's a it's a good reminder of of where I came from. It's it's um, you know, I think reflection is really important. Like I let the just how overwhelming all this is sometimes get to me. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, reflecting on where you came from, my childhood, what 
risk I took to get here, how I got here, you know, the motivation, the self-discipline, the sacrifice, the commitment, that whatever it takes attitude, like, and, and what level of, of commitment those things mean to oh, me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I look at that, I look at other things, just other reminders of, you know, that reflection of how I got here. And, um, yeah, so that's why I keep that thing around. Good, good, good. You know, it makes you really appreciate and put things into perspective, you know, that that everything's going to be okay. So how did Ink Monster get started, and how did you decide to drop off the E? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the tough questions. Uh, Ink Monster got started. Well, again, I was looking for a supplemental income, um, needed more money, and I wanted to make a business out of my hobby, snowboarding and uh, vinyl printing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the first summer when I left Wendell's that next winter going into Aspen, it was the first year I moved to Aspen. Uh, I couldn't afford to live in Aspen and I'm trying to start a business at the same oh, time. Man. So I flew back to New York, bought a van, my stepdad and I gutted it, uh, made it livable. My whole family's scratching their head like, what the heck are you doing? Like this is nuts. You're you're moving into your van. <laughs> you're, you're doing this to do what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm making a sacrifice. I'm gonna live in my van, save money, and try and start this business. And how um, humbling is that? When when I have my mind set on something, you know, it's like uh, a subway train without brakes, man. Yeah. Like there's just no stopping me. So. Uh, and, and that's the attitude, you know, you guys got to take if you want to start a business, you know, relentless. Um, and that's what I did, you know, and, and, and living in your car in Aspen is highly frowned upon. You know, I figured it out. Uh, I, I kind of lived in that van for uh, about a year and a half, close to two years. Wow, that's a long time. Um, it was a year solid and then sporadically, sporadically here, here and there until I could find a place to set up shop, found an apartment, uh, turned that living room into a shop. And really, from then on, it was just utilizing my snow industry, ski industry, snowboard industry contacts to. Uh, I solicited everybody to of course. to uh, to, work to start with making some money and start working with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, so that's that's how Ink Monster was born. Is that the same van that you got today? Or? No, no. <laughs> I gave that. I donated that van to charity, but that was a tough. You know, talk about you know letting go, letting letting go a piece of the history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a tough thing to do, but uh, and then as far as the name goes, um, a friend of mine actually had the name out. He was a screen printer, and he wasn't using it. He wasn't screen printing, and I had gone through like seven names in the course of like a year and a half, trying to figure out what that name was, what the logo was going to be, you know. Even then, I realized how important that is. It's, sure. it's everything. It's your identity and. You know, instead of being like Denver Print Shop or Colorado Print Shop or, you know, just base 5280 print, whatever like the generic names were going to be, I wanted to be different from the rest of my industry. Right. I wanted to be creative and, you know, ink, we print using ink, yeah. right? And I'm just a horror flick fan. Okay. You know, everything monster oriented and like scary movies. I was just super into, you know, monsters. Right and and things of that nature. What movie so, comes to mind right now? So, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is my favorite. <laughs> is my favorite scary movie. You know, 
Um, I'm gonna go to Blockbuster this weekend and get in, and, and rent that. And there's a lot of <laughs> monsters in that movie, man. I tell you what, but uh, Ink Monster, and we're the biggest, the best. We're the monster, like the name, you know that that dual meaning, you know, of what Ink Monster can be perceived as. Right. right? I wanted to be the monster of my industry. So at the beginning, I talked about you, you know you, you've created and built a brand, and right now, you know, thinking about how you went through seven different renditions of names um, and logos, but then coming to a brand that's beyond Colorado, beyond Denver, beyond the 5280. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, right. Like now you're able to take this to a national presence um, and position yourself with other big brand names. That's got to be important. It's really important. And again, like, yeah, you have to look at the big picture. Um, and it's not like I reinvented the wheel here, people. You know, like, <laughs> I, I just made what, you know, the action sports world is doing, the beverage world is doing, the eyewear companies, you know, all these companies that are very uh, just brand awareness, activation heavy, you know, visually heavy with their branding. You know, I, I just made what they're doing applicable to a business that it's never been done to before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, like they make, you know, energy drink companies super sexy. They make eyewear companies super sexy, uh, you know, all these different things. And no one made, you know, graphic design, printing, and installations hot and sexy and cool and artistic and creative. Right. And there was this void in the market that just didn't exist. And um, I'm like, this, I just. That's the thing. You you just know when you know it's right. Yeah, you know you, you, you have feel that it. feel. You feel yeah. it, and you just like no hesitation. Yeah, all in. What was your biggest struggle in your first year? Um, that that you know you're, you're living out of you know your, your van. You're up in, in Aspen. Um, <laughs> you know, like you know the community, the people that are judging you. You know, all the haters that kind of come along with you know yeah. you know w w with an idea that you know because you, you're, you're you're disrupting the industry, right? You know, at that at that time and obviously today as well. Um, but what was your biggest struggle early on? Uh, you know that was was blindsided. You know, and and, and, and perhaps even derailed your whole business. I mean, there's lots of struggles to this business. It's such a unique business. Uh, and some of the struggles I had back then are still very relevant to the struggles mm. I have today. Okay. Um, you know, when you're a small business owner, you know, cash flow is always... Okay, so, you know, one thing that is, is, is something that I preach to uh, new startups is debt versus equity. Yeah. You know, everyone needs startup capital. Are sure. you going to fund it yourself, or are you going to take loans out, or are you going to give away equity? Right. You know, and everybody these days, you guys all want to just give up your company. You want to just throw away all the equity to get investors involved, and all this fundraising, giving you know, away all equity. this, you yeah. know, and, and you know, for some businesses, that is absolutely what you should do. But I think. You guys really need to evaluate if that's the right step because there are so many other financing options available. Um, you know, I'm always a, a huge advocate for taking on debt mm -hmm. because if you believe in yourself, you believe in your idea, you risk. believe in your work ethic, your motivation, your your tolerance to commit and sacrifice and risk. Yeah. 
then you shouldn't be giving away your company. Yeah. You know, if you're all in, it's then, all you. then, you know, and, and one thing about taking on debt is it does put your back against the wall and more people are uh, more likely to succeed when they put themselves in that situation. So yeah, you know, uh, you know, capital was a big thing. I needed equipment. I needed software. I needed machines. I needed materials. Right. You know, uh, inventory. Uh, I was working up to three other jobs just to keep this one just afloat. to keep this one afloat. So I was funding myself through the three other jobs I had, and um, you know, just letting it grow organically based on cash flow. Yeah. You know, not overextending myself. Always keeping myself in a position where if business was low or sales were low, I wasn't screwed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go out of business because I was working three other jobs and then putting in the commitment to Ink Monster, if that's what the name was that, that year, <laughs> and then putting the commitment into Ink Monster, you know, starting at like 11, 12 o'clock at night till 2, 3, 4 in the morning, right. getting two hours sleep to get it to my first job at 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning, you know? Yeah, those sacrifices, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, having that job, that 9 to 5 job, right, or... Um, you know, working two or three different jobs, but what do you, you know, what are people doing for their particular business after hours? You know, from 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 you know the, the nine o'clock at night till you know three o'clock in the morning, and always know, on. You know, you either, be, you either be sleeping, you either be sitting on the couch watching TV, you can be you know complaining about something, or you can be taking action to you know get that wheel turning and and and, and, and make it. It's really about happen. how bad you want it, yeah. you know. And and uh, I can't tell you how many people I talk to, you guys out there. You know, I ask these questions too because people come to me all the time and ask me, you know, how do I start my business? How do I grow my business? And again, I don't, I don't claim to know it all. Uh, I absolutely still have a long way to go, and there's lots of people out there who know way more than me. But all I can share is my experience. Yes. And in my experience, people say they are willing to do whatever it takes. They think they're willing to do until it takes <laughs> until oh but and then here come the buts and the excuses and you know I would do that but I have this commitment or that commitment or I don't want to disappoint this person or that person or I don't want to sacrifice this or that well then you're not really willing to do what it takes yeah, yeah. you know and that what that means to people uh, is is what I try and express is you know that means whatever it takes that means sacrificing this and that and you know making a full commitment. So your know? van, your van was probably two hundred square feet, maybe one hundred fifty square feet. It was a, actually a short <laughs> van. It had enough room for a bed and a little uh, storage unit, and that was it. And so, so you, you go from two hundred square feet, let's say, right? That's Smaller. being generous. Yeah, being generous. So how many square feet is your warehouse today? 10,000 square feet. That's... It's a million dollar facility. Wow. Yeah. And, and here you have... Um, right now we're sitting in the apparel showroom, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about here in a moment. Yeah. But when you first walk in, you built a team around you in your, in your, in your company. And you have your graphic designers, you have your sewers, you have your, 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 your print. Mm -hmm. um, production people. Production. Yeah. Installers. So... Um, like what? What can you give about creating a team of having the good people around you, and um, and you know who, who was there early on to help you get to this point today? Well, I mean, the first four years it was me. I did the accounts receivable, accounts payable, 
design, print, install, uh, event production. You know, I, I was a one-man show. Um, and I got my first employee. Uh, you know, your, your team is your most important thing. Uh, and, you know, you always hear people say that, you know, finding good help is, is, is the hardest thing these days, sure. right? Finding qualified people, people who care, people who have uh, uh, good uh, work ethic and positive attitude and, you know, a, whatever it takes attitude. Um, but that's the hardest part. I would say, you know, you asked me before, you know, what are some challenges that you had then and what are the challenges that you have now? And that is one of the biggest challenges that I face is finding a good team now you know and especially for what we do uh, there's no not really a school for this yeah you know there isn't uh, formal education there's design school but not how your graphic design translates to real-world application for print production and vinyl installations right there's no category for that yeah. right so I gotta train everybody <clears throat> in-house but you know as a business owner I have to make sure that I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. I like that. And you have to swallow your pride. Yep. You know, you can't be the guy who's like, don't tell me what to do, this is my business. That guy or girl isn't gonna last long. No, you know? not at all. You gotta surround yourself with people who are better than you. And you're asking them, hey, what can we do better? What can, tell me what I don't know. Tell me what I could be doing better, you know? I have some of the best graphic designers in the city. I have some of the best print production people in the country. Some of the best installers in the country. You know, our private label apparel manufacturing, we have some of the best fabrics and seamstresses, yeah. right? And, you know, I'm not the best at all of that stuff, but I'm good at, at you know, I look for work ethic, positive attitude, you know, like what kind of person am I hiring? Yes. You know, I'll hire a certain type of individual before I hire somebody who might be way better than them, you know, technically or skill-wise, because but the other person is coachable, you can work with them, and there's certain know. things you can't teach people. Yeah, you know, and that's work ethic and positive attitude, and some of these other you know characteristics that make up a good person and a good employee. Right. Uh, I can teach them the rest of the business, and you know that's all coachable, like sure. you said. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, and that gets harder and harder these days. Of everything that you that, that that might be going on within your business, what do you love? Like, where do you thrive the most? Um, and and where do you feel like you try and be hands off as, as much as possible because you know you're not good at it? Where do I try and be? Well, I'm not in the sew shop, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I do spend some time in there helping out. I help out where I can. Yeah, once it's sewn um, up, you start folding and get yeah, out of there, Yeah, I'm a good right? folder. I'm an awesome folder. That's <laughs> um, well, a good question. You know, because I try and have my hand in everything. I'm the creative director. You know, I work with the salespeople. I'm training production and people. And you should, because, because because this way you know what's going on and you can have a, a, a competent conversation. I'm not a hands-off business owner. Yeah. I, uh, I got my finger on the pulse of everything that's happening here. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but I'm not the best at all of this stuff, sure. but, you know, I have the real-world experience and business knowledge and... You know, creative direction. Um, Where do you thrive the most? And if there's one hundred percent, if if there's one thing you could do every single day, I mean, building the brand identity. Yeah, yeah. You know, knowing the direction I want to take the company 
focusing on the short, intermediate, long-term game plan of the company, how we're going to reach our goals. Um, you know, like we have meetings constantly on where we want to be a year from now, or three years from now, five years from now, and already implementing and taking steps to get there. Yeah. You know, we're not waiting and being reactive. You know, we want to be proactive. Yes. We want to, you know, get on it ahead of time and not find ourselves in a situation where, you know, oh, okay, now we're here. What do we do? Right. So, so, so let's talk about the goals so, now, right? I mean, a, a year scaling from, the company. Yeah. So, what are you working on right now? You know, in our backdrop here, you know, we, we have your apparel, um, you know, aspect of the business. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about you know what else you have going on, um, you know, within e-commerce that people not uh, might not be aware of, and and what can your your audience, our audience, and your customers expect uh, from you and e-commerce moving sure. forward. Well, you know, right now, you know, we've been working a long time, the past three or four years, on just the structure of the company. So, because we started to grow, and you know, it doesn't matter what stage of the game your company is in, you're always going to have growing pains. Sure. Otherwise, you're not growing yeah. if you don't have growing pains, right? So, uh, there's always going to be that. But you know, we spent a lot of time the past couple of years, two, three years, working on the structure, of the foundation. So when we scale. You know we're ready for for that growth, and we're here. So, three years ago, I started working on launching the apparel manufacturing department of our business. Okay, it was kind of a easy path to entry for us because we do digital printing, and dye sublimation is a form of digital printing. Instead of printing on vinyl, we're printing on fabric. Sure, and most of my industry does that for trade show booth stuff, soft signage, and instead of just trying to directly compete with you know, some of the largest people in the country, some of them are here in Denver, yeah. who do a lot of nationwide <laughs> stuff in this space, well, you know, I can go after that 400 pound gorilla, or I can make my own niche, carve out my own you know, little sector for, for what people aren't doing, which is cut and sew apparel manufacturing. So. You know, I thought it would be easy. I thought six months in, you know, we'd be rocking and rolling. We'd be, like, manufacturing like crazy. We're three years in right now. <laughs> so everything takes time, guys. You know, don't give and up. plan for that. Plan for that. It, it, you know, the printing part was easy. You know, I sourced all my own fine fabrics and high-quality fabrics. I even helped develop a few. Because uh, I was working with factories. I'm like, no, this isn't. Look, we, we want quality, you right. know, and this is what we're trying to do. So I helped develop several fabrics. Uh, so that part, you know, we, we developed all our own patterns. A pattern is a fit. You know, it's like your template to sure. for cut and sew. Um, so we developed all our own patterns. That took a year and a half to get right. Wow. You know, and three years in, we're still tweaking those patterns, making our fits perfect. But, um, you know, finding talented, quality Production seamstresses was the hardest thing on earth. Sure, that that especially here. I mean, we're not in California. You know, there's a reason why that's the hub for private label. You know, apparel manufacturing, cut and sew apparel manufacturing. Um, but there's a huge demand for that here. There are so many brands here, and not just in Colorado, surrounding. You know, in, in the Colorado states, the Midwest, sure. uh, West Coast, like everything is. Um, you know, people want American-made goods. Yeah, you know, they want. You know, fair trade, locally sourced, 100% made in America. You're reasonably priced. And, uh, and that's the tough part. So until you guys start buying more and more from your local resources, 
that's how we get our prices down. Yeah. You know, the reason why overseas is so cheap because of the volume that they do. So, you know, support your local manufacturers, and the more you support your local manufacturers, the better we can do on the pricing. Right. So, uh, and we're we're getting to that point now where. You know, but, two but, years. But, but then again, your quality. I mean, I, I was touching. But you have to pay for the quality. Yeah, but right. quality is, is top notch as well. So, so we we you know our number one private label manufactured product is leggings, right? We make the best high quality leggings in Colorado. One hundred percent. And we got and we got a sample and right here. We got some samples. We just happen to have some samples <laughs> readily available. But uh, I mean, you know, high quality fabrics, high quality construction. Uh, it's, it's quality goods. So, um, and we we designed the program for uh, small to mid-sized businesses. You know, you, you're going to China for your three thousand, five thousand piece orders. You know, maybe you're going to California for that stuff. You know, we designed our program and our pricing for your fifty piece. Two thousand piece orders. Yeah, you know, that's really where we're specializing in right now. That's cool. Um, you know, you want to do you know five hundred pair of leggings a month. Wear your spot for yeah. sure. So, um, but we're doing all active wear: hoodies, t-shirts, uh, racer backs for women. Uh, we have some tank tops in the background. But um, so yeah, now three years later, we're finally starting to gain some momentum, and uh, now people are searching us out yeah. for you know this private label apparel manufacturing. So it's just it's just you know what's the evolution of your business. Do you want to just be happy with where you're at? I could I could have just plateaued, you know, three four years ago and be like, we got a great graphic design team. You know, we're doing all your wraps, walls, windows, floors, vehicles, trade show. You know, we do a lot of we're doing a lot more residential decor. We're doing tons of commercial decor these days, and I could have been happy with that. But um, you know, what what are you passionate about? It all goes back to what do you want to do? So we had to evaluate, well, what do my employees want? What are they happy doing? What am I happy doing? Yeah. What you know, what makes us passionate about what we do? What it, which is creativity and, you know, aligning with our artistic goals. Right, right. Our artistic goals, <laughs> right? But um I said, what do we want to do, are guys? You know, are, like, your, are your employees a major factor in in understanding, you know, where where they're happiest at to be here to to continue to be creative and and, and get those. It's know, a great question. Productions. I would say it. I would say yes and no. Um, it's still a job. Yeah. And you know, we employ a lot of creatives, and we have this, which is what I built this artistic creative, you know, lifestyle, brand, identity. Yeah. And that attracts a certain type of person and a certain type of employee. But, you know, it, it's hard to keep everybody happy all the time because we still got to do, you know, we probably are managing, you know, 100 to 150 projects at a time. Wow. Uh, thousands of clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have tons of internal stuff that we're constantly doing. You know, our, our art show, Sticky Situation, look out for that in October. Uh, our charity event, Denver Days, uh, look out for that in August. Um, just our building wraps we're putting up everywhere, that's all designed internally. Yeah. You know, our own apparel designs. So uh, there's so much going on. So that's why I say yes and no. Yes, because they want to be creative all the time, but at the same time, we're still classified as a manufacturer. Yeah. And when you manufacture, time is money. Mm -hmm. You know, efficiencies, you know, um, 
just everything's got to get done right the first time. We got to be fast. We got to be quality. You know, we have this level of standards that are just higher than our competition. Yeah. So, you know, to have creatives in this manufacturing setting is tricky. It is bad, bad it is. It's super <laughs> tricky. So um, you got the creatives are you know they're 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 moving outside the norm norm which is what you want them to do but then you got the manufacturing side which is very regimented and mm-hmm. you know processes in place and you know time efficiency and you know like I understand you want to spend an extra sixteen hours on that design to make it perfect but I need it done in four <laughs> you know like so because the customer's banging down our door and we got like twenty seven other projects we got to put you on yeah so that's why I have to find and and, and you know, that's one of my roles. That's why, you know, I still do the interviewing. I still hand select every single person Good on my you. team. Good for you. Uh, because it, it definitely takes a special type of person to work here. Um, but guess what? I mean, and and there's no way to say this without sounding arrogant or cocky, but that's why we're the most award-winning print shop in this state, and you, are you know, right. one of the most in the country. We've been winning awards every year since 2012, if not multiple ones. Um, you know, which I'm blessed and honored, and I appreciate. You know, Denver. Without you guys, you know, we wouldn't be here. So, you know, thank you very much, and that's why we give back to the community so much because we understand where we came from. Let's but, talk about Denver Days. It's yeah. coming out August 4th. Um, and it's supposed to uh, help support Sunny Sun Valley. Sun Valley, so yes. Sun Valley, which is the community that you guys are in. Yes. Um, let's talk about Denver Days and and what what is this event about? So Denver Days um, is a mayor's initiative to incentivize neighborhoods to do block parties. It's a get out and meet your neighbor kind of thing. So uh, it started, I think, four years ago, five years ago. I'm not really sure when it started. I know we. this is our fourth year doing our Denver days. And, um, you know, Denver, if you guys know Ink Monster, uh, you know the art shows we did for the past seven, eight years, Sticky Situation, you know, all the crazy wild pool parties I've done, <laughs> you know, we're trucking in 150 tons of sand into Exto Event Center. You know, um, all the concerts, Red Man, Method Man, Aesop Ferg, Ghostface Killer, like, you know, we, we've done Del the Funky Homo Sapien, the Beat Nuts, like, it, you know, the list goes on. So we used to throw all these wild parties is my point. Um, that was my, my way of, of helping build our brand identity, right? And so, <clears throat> and having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time. Um, but what was that really doing? You know... Yeah, that was getting our name out and building the brand identity, but we weren't really, and everything was free, so we were giving back to the community. It was free admission, free drinks, you know, free giveaways, like, we didn't make any money on those events. Regardless of what anybody thinks, we didn't make a dime in 10 years off of events. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I moved to this neighborhood, so I bought this building, you know, we're in this brand new, beautiful facility and uh, it's in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Denver, one of the most underserved neighborhoods in Denver, and uh, 70% kids under the age of 17 or 17 and under. So, you know, when I heard that, you know, the mayor had this initiative called Denver Days, it was one of my employees, uh, now wife, who said, hey, you know, you guys are, you know, you're really good at event production, uh, why don't you do this? Yeah. And I looked into what it was, 
And just like I said before, when you know that you know that it's right, without hesitation, I was like, that's it. You know, this is our opportunity to truly give back to our community. And now that I bought this place, and this is our home now for a long while, the foreseeable <laughs> future, a long while, you know, I want to help, you know, I immediately just started, like, just diving into the community Good. and being heavily involved in the community. I'm on every single board. You know, I was president of my, you know, neighborhood organization. You know, I'm just, I'm just in it. I just fully just engulfed what this neighborhood needed. And um, so Denver Days, what do we do? Uh, we put on a block party. It's August 4th. Uh, please go to our website, inkmonster.com. We have a GoFundMe. And what we do is raise backpacks, school supplies, um, socks, underwear, toiletries, you know, all these things that these kids don't have the resources for. They don't have, you know, the opportunity to get a lot of these things. Um, and we want them to be prepared. We want them to go back to school with pencils and pens and calculators and rulers and you know, whatever it is, backpacks, sneakers, socks, underwear, you know, and I know there's a lot of backpack drives during this time, but that's because there's a lot of kids in need. Yeah. Um, if there weren't still kids in need, then, you know, <laughs> there wouldn't be all these backpack drives going on consistently every year. So um, this is our fourth year doing it. First year, you know, we gave away 200 bikes, couple, you know, 100 backpacks. Fast forward to last year, we gave away 1,400 backpacks filled with school supplies, Wow. Uh, sneakers, we're giving away Nikes, we're giving away uh, um, headphones, um, you know, from um, Jammy Pack. If you guys are familiar with Jammy Pack, it's a Colorado based company. Um, you know, they were gracious and giving away tons of headphones and Jammy Packs. Um, you know, we got Pepsi on board, Meow Wolf is on board this year, uh, Ramos Law has been a huge contributor to our event, and. Um, it's just getting the community involved, you know? So we throw a block party. Uh, we, we put on, uh, you know, shout to uh, all the people who, who really, really helped this thing uh, make it what it is. And um, there's live music, there's entertainment, there's activation. So it's just really, really great. It's a whole experience. It's a whole it's, experience. It's, it's, it's something that, that these kids and this neighborhood just have never had the opportunity to experience because nobody really cared before that, you know, like no one made the effort to, to bring this to the neighborhood. Good for you, man. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to share that. And I, I can tell you're very passionate about that project and Float Hustle in the community. And anyone that watches this uh, this video, please you know, go to the website, support them, uh, spread the word. If you can't donate, you, you can always, you know, take a moment just to voice uh, the opportunity to make a difference for Sun Valley here in Denver as well. So yeah, even just sharing, you know, the the event. You know, we don't have an event page started yet. The event's not till August, but we're raising money now. You know, tell a friend to tell a friend. You know, if you can't donate, somebody can. Yep. And uh, you know, it's all about getting the word out. If that's anything we've learned this day and age, is you know, spreading the word is important. And you know, when things go viral, great things happen. You that's know, right. It's very very powerful. Uh, uh, platform that we have these days, the internet. So, so speaking of words, and you said a lot of words uh, here in this interview. Let's talk about the words that you can give to entrepreneurs, to employees um, who, who might you know want to become an entrepreneur but they're, they're reluctant. I mean, what, what advice comes to mind? And, and you give a lot of advice, you know, already. But what advice comes to mind as we end this segment with you um, that we can utilize to you know inspire those individuals who need it? 
you know, and, I, and I've touched on it a little bit. Um, a, and I'll tell you guys what I tell fourth graders and I tell high school kids and college kids, you know, what do you love? What do you love to do? In this day and age, you can absolutely make a living doing anything, literally anything. You know, like there, there was a time in life where, you know, let, let's let's take artists for example. Remember, I remember you know talking to my parents. You know, artists couldn't make a living. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, some of the most successful people I know are artists. Yeah. You know, so you can literally make a living doing anything these days. If you love what you do, you will make money doing it. Now, how fast that happens? That's the part that people have a tendency to. Um, be short-sighted with. Mm. You know, things take time. Not everything happens as fast as you want it. You know, I mean, I gave you an example just a few minutes ago of, of that, you know. So, that's why you got to love it because you don't know if it could take three months. You don't know if it could take three years. You don't know if it could take ten years. But, you know, you got to stick with it. Uh, people want to work with you if they see that passion, that fire, that, that desire to be successful.